0: I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast
1: on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? fans? welcome into the Tuesday, January the 30th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, part two of the interview with Chris Kaufman we will be diving into the defensive side of the football the prospects he likes on that side and where he might go with the 11th pick in the draft for the Miami Dolphins and lastly I'll put Chris on the spot to give us his way too early 2018 prediction but first as you guys know I have to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review over there we are also now on Spotify as well you can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL you can follow the show at Lockdown Fins and of course check out LockdownDolphins.com for all your Dolphins offseason needs. And lastly, but not leastly, check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On Heat podcast, Locked On NFL podcast, and Locked On Draft podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And joining us again on the podcast for the second straight day is Chris Coffin at CK Parrot. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks for coming back on. I want to talk about you, or I want to talk to you about the draft a little bit. Easy for me to say. We talked about free agency and some of the moves Miami could make and kind of restructuring contracts and get this group playing back together and you talked about the coaching staff and that's probably going to be something that Dolphins Twitter does not want to hear hearing that there's going to be not that many changes to kind of just fall into the continuity line that this staff has talked about, but there will be a draft class Dolphins sitting with, I believe seven or eight picks right now could trade back, could add some more to that. We'll see what happens over the course of the next couple of months, but just kind of talking about the draft in general, and let's go ahead and just start a quarterback. Chris, uh, you know, you talked about some third, fourth round quarterbacks. And I know you've been really digging into some of these smaller school guys, at the senior bowl as well as other guys throughout the course of the draft as well who are some guys that the dolphins could target in that kind of mid-round range at the quarterback position
0: if they're going to look at the mid-round range then they're most likely going to be looking at uh, mason rudolph um, possibly riley ferguson depends on how where they have him ranked there's a guy that just lit things up at the senior bowl that kind of came out of richmond and I don't want to say came out of nowhere because we, we knew about him and I had looked at him a little bit, but I hadn't looked at him a lot. Kyle Lalletta, um, he really lit things up on, at the senior bowl, so I'm going to have to take a nice, uh, fresh look at him, and I'm sure the Dolphins will as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you're looking at the mid-rounds, uh, I think that you're going to be looking at Mason Rudolph as probably the top guy that they could think about in, say, the second or third round. Um, but then there's also Luke Falk. Uh, I know you're a fan of him. Uh, he's, he's one of those mid-round guys. Riley Ferguson, um, possibly Chase Litton uh, out of Marshall if, um, if he really catches on. He's got a lot of physical tools, so I do think he's going to catch on. I don't know if the Dolphins are going to like uh, him or really any of those guys. It's hard to say, but, um, but those are the mid-round guys to look at.
1: And what about the skill players? You know, we talk about Jarvis Landry possibly kind of opening up the floodgates to some more needs. Who are some guys that could replace him? And then who are some running backs you like too that could possibly team up with Kenyon Drake next year?
0: Well, I think uh, if if Jarvis if Jarvis goes, then they're going to have to really look pretty hard at that position. Um, I think that uh, there are some guys that I've. I've kind of looked at, and one thing to keep in mind, actually, and this is interesting, is if you go back to a year ago, uh, the Dolphins did a whole lot of work on the slot receiver position. Um, we know that because we hear about the guys that they've talked to, the guys that they were looking at. Um, they did a ton of work on that. Uh, they didn't come out with anybody. Uh, so, uh, you know, that that's the, that's the thing. Like, they didn't come out with anybody, so they don't really have any backup plans for Jarvis Landry? Um, I think the backup plan was Leonte Carew, but he's not really panned out. Um, so, so they're gonna they're gonna look at some guys, some some late guys that I like. Uh, one late guy in particular um, is Derice Fountain from UNI. Uh, he he showed up at the Shrine practices particularly and, and lit them up. I mean, he was a really high producer at UNI. This is the same school, by the way, David Johnson went to, the running back. Um, And he's similar to David Johnson in that he is, he he does look to be a physical phenom. Um, But this guy, since he was a freshman, has been making a huge impact at that school, uh, catching the football, and everything checks out as far as his attitude goes, character and and work ethic. I mean, one of the first things anybody ever says about him has to do with um, with his work ethic and, and how hard he works to get better. And it showed at the Senior Bowl, or not at the Senior Bowl, sorry, the Shrine game. Um, he really uh, was the man amongst boys there. So that's, that's one guy uh, at the receiver position, but also Anthony Miller. Uh, he played with Riley Ferguson at Memphis. I think that's a guy to keep uh, an eye on uh, because he is... He strikes so many notes uh, for people like Antonio Brown. And if you're looking at a Jarvis Landry replacement, then that's exactly what you're looking at. But um, I think that he's – Anthony Miller's a good one. There's a lot of fans out there for Braxton Berrios, of course. Um, There's going to be in Miami. Uh, I think that he is a fantastic player. I think he is small, and you do have to worry about that. But, you know, he's he's Wes Welker-sized. He's not – He's not any bigger or smaller than that, I don't think. Um, and he is a fantastic and extremely smart player. Uh, and if you need to replace Jarvis Landry, then you need to replace his passion too. And, and Bra- that's where Braxton Berrios could come in. Um, I think another guy that you could pay attention to that way would be uh, Michael Gallup. Um, he's another. He actually measured in a little bit bigger than I expected, but it's the uh, it's the quickness of his feet and the kinds of routes that you could see him uh, see him be effective on that make me think that, uh, that he could be in that, uh, in that same mold with, um, with Jarvis Landry, doing a lot of run-after-catch opportunities. So um, those, are, those are some of the guys to look at. I mean, I, a lot of the receivers that I like um, aren't necessarily in the Jarvis Landry mold, mold, and that's a problem. You know, guys like Jaleel Scott and Alan Lazard, Javon Wims, you know, they're they're not necessarily in that Jarvis Landry mold. So this whole Jarvis Landry situation uh, is inconvenient.
1: Yeah, it's the first domino to fall for sure. I'm glad to hear you talk about Gallup as well as Miller because those are two guys I've had my eye on as well. So it's nice to hear you kind of back that up as well. But kind of talk about the tight ends a little bit because I think tight ends, you mentioned on the last episode that we only really have, you know, Marquise Gray and then A.J. Derby still there too, but who knows what happens with him. But the Dolphins would seem it would seem wise to kind of address the tight end position this year. And it's kind of an ambiguous class in terms of there's not a lot of top level talent, but there's this kind of girth of guys right in the middle there that just kind of fall in that, you know, are they a top level talent or are they kind of a project player? Talk about some of the guys that can play both in line as well as detached at tight end.
0: Well, I think uh, you brought up an interesting, uh, an interesting Point about this class, uh, about the top level versus the next. tier, uh, something that if you if you pay attention to the draft for a, a long time, um, it seems like that every year, uh, really at the tight end position. And I think that's just a, a function of what we expect and how we how we sort of end up evaluating the class, how we end up contextualizing these draft classes. Because if you think about Ra- uh, if you think about Gronkowski and where he ended up going, where did he end up going? You know, he went in the second round. Um, so I'm, we're talking about uh, the tight end class, and it often is, you know, oh, there's, there aren't these, you know, hero guys that are just, you know, home runs, but uh, there, there are a lot of those, you know, next tier guys that could be pretty solid. I think uh, this class belongs with any of the classes that I've, that I've ever seen um, in a good way. Uh, I think right at the top, Mark Andrews out of Oklahoma is one of the best tight ends I've looked at in a long time. Uh, he, he's been the best tight end in college football, in my opinion, for three straight years. Uh, he, was, he was the best tight end in college football you know, back in, um, in 2015, uh, let alone 2016 and 2017. Um, so I think right away you could take him anywhere you want to in the first round and not be embarrassed about it. Uh, he's a, he's a guy that if you look at him, at him on tape and, and see him in situations where he's had to flash the long speed, he does flash long. I've seen him outrun, you know, guys that run like a four or like that sort of, that sort of thing. These guys can't make up ground on him. So I think that he's got the speed. He's obviously huge. He's a big chest of drawers kind of guy. Um, and, uh, and he's, you know, one of the, he's. I think either the second best or most productive receiving uh, tight end in the class, um, in terms of efficiency and, and you know, as well as you look at his total production metrics, I think that he's fantastic. Uh and if you want to go stick with the pass catchers, then Mike Gesicki out of Penn State is as good of a receiving tight end, you know, a pure uh pass uh down guy as I've seen in a while. You know, this is a basketball player. You know, great, huge frame, fast guy, one-handed catch type of dude. Um, you know, he could really play. He can he can make a huge impact in the pass game. Uh, and then you look at Dallas. Uh, I don't know exactly how that's his <laughs> last name, so it's it's got you know bear with me here. But it's it's either Goddard or Goddard. Um, <laughs> I've been so, going. I've been going yeah. go dirt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> you could call him. Let's let's do a soft G and go with Joe Dirt. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that that guy um, from South Dakota State. Uh, you look at him, and and here's the thing: you, you'll watch him on tape, and and you get really excited about him. And there's a lot of reason to get excited about him. And you say to yourself, "Well, wait a minute, this might actually be you know, even Mark Andrews, as good as he is, um, this might actually be." even a little bit more compelling than him athletically and, and what he could do in the passing game and, and stuff like that. But then you have to keep in mind, you're watching South Dakota State tape. You know, you're watching him against defensive backs. Like you're watching him against corners that run a 4-7 yeah. or a 4-8, you know, um, let alone what the linebackers run and, and the safeties and stuff. So you never know until you see those guys in a, a – bigger pool of talent or a better pool of talent, or you see them test out, you know, scientifically uh, at the combine or something like that. So I I keep reserving my enthusiasm about him until we start to get some better markers about uh, where we should contextualize him. Um, But he is an exciting talent. He's an exciting talent to watch um, along with Mike Kosicki and along with Mark Andrews. Uh, Those those are guys at the top that, you know, I'll, I'll take, and look at all day. Hayden Hurst of South Carolina is a really good player. Ian Thomas of, um, of Indiana is, is really, you know, a very underrated and, and very good player himself. Um, one of the guys that I kind of uh, have pegged as, as being a, a later round guy, who's probably going to be under drafted is, um, is Adam Brenneman at UMass I think that he's uh he, the way he moves in the natural I and mean, he's such a natural receiver and yet I think he can move pretty well um I think that there there are there are so many guys in this draft that you can take and make an impact at that position a real impact uh in the passing game and that's that's not usual that's not um that's not common uh and then there's there are guys that you can there are plenty of guys you could take and have an impact in the in the run game or, or be a good blocker um, whether it's uh, Nate Wozniak out of Minnesota who's not even going to be drafted but you could take him he's like six foot nine 280 pounds and he blocks like a six foot nine 280 pound guy <laughs> should um, and he also you know he he runs a little bit he it reminds me a little bit of Levine Toilolo um, who came out of Stanford a long time ago, and, uh, and has played with the Atlanta Falcons and has been more of a, a run-blocking run or a blocking specialist that can also do a few things in the passing game. Um, but, you know, Jeb Blazovich out of, out of Georgia, he was you – know, you look at him, he's such a blocking specialist now at Georgia because they have another guy they like ahead of him uh, in the passing game and because they don't use the tight end, quite frankly, in the passing game that much. Um, and yet, you look at him coming out of high school. He was like a receiver. He was like a wide receiver, uh, and and he's got the speed to to justify. So you, a former wide receiver with receiver like skills that has become a blocking specialist and is actually pretty fast. I mean, that's it's, it sells a good story, doesn't it? Um, so I, there there are plenty of guys in this draft like that. I think you get. Any of the guys toward the top—Mark Andrews, Gesicki, or uh, Dallas—or um, you know, you could go with uh, Ian Thomas or, or Hayden Hurst or uh, Troy Fumagalli, even though he's got uh, only nine fingers. Um, you know, the, any of those guys, you can you can get an impact.
1: Well, I'm happy to hear you say that because, I, like I said to you earlier, I think we really need to address the tight end position this offseason, maybe even double down in the draft as well. So good to hear that. But, Chris, before we get to the defensive side of the bar real quick, talk about some interior linemen. I know you talked about possibly going towards free agency in terms of addressing that middle part of the offensive line, but talk about some of the guys. You know, we, we've, we've heard about Quentin Nelson all all draft process. We've heard about Will Hernandez, the senior bull just blowing that place up. Talk about some of these guys that the Dolphins could draft to play center or either guard position as well.
0: Well, a center, one of my favorite options, just period, and and that's that's even if you include like Billy Price or uh, or Frank Ragnow, um, which are the two higher-rated center prospects in the draft. Um, although I, granted, I have not looked at the Iowa uh, junior. I think his name is uh, James Daniels or something like that. I haven't looked at him at all, uh, and some people think extraordinarily high of him. So. Um, one of my favorites is Brian Allen out of Michigan State. Uh, look, at him, he's not a big guy; he's only about six foot one and you know three hundred three hundred pounds, something like that. Um, you know, he's one of those he's one of those guys that's playing center. That you know why they're playing center because they they probably shouldn't be playing one of the other positions. Um, <laughs> but he is one nasty son of a gun. I mean, he is he is really I, I'm just I see more pancakes coming out of this little dude. Than uh, than I do with much bigger players, and it's just because he's nasty. He's got that attitude. He you know he hooks people. Uh, he's got anchor. I mean, he he really knows how to use his hands. Uh, he plays through the whistle. Um, he he went showed up at the Shrine practices and Shrine game, and of course during the game itself, he looked like one of the best players on the field. You know, period at any position. Uh, if if Miami's trying to figure out what they got to do at center. Uh, with Mike Pouncey either on the outs or, you know, his hips are questionable, um, then that would be one of my favorite options because you don't even necessarily have to draft him that high. Um, I think that on the interior, if you're still, if you're looking at the guard position, a couple of guys that impressed me um, along the way include uh, Washington State's Cody O'Connell. Um, I thought that at the Shrine Game, he was he and Brett Tuff, uh who's another guy to pay attention to. He, even though he's played left tackle, he could move inside. Um, you know, those two as as a left side unit were just. I mean, they were they were freak show uh, during the Shrine Game. They were it was uh, it was like watching a circus performance. Um, they were they were unstoppable. Uh, UCF has a kid um, by the name of Aaron Evans who's got a nice big frame. He measured at the Shrine practices, but he didn't actually play because he had an injury. Um, he's got a nice big frame, and he plays the right way. You look at him, and he's played left tackle at UCF, and he played pretty well. I mean, they, they are national champions, after all. Um, so, I mean, he played he played pretty well at UCF uh, as a left tackle and, and did good things in pass pro and, and run blocking. He's going to move inside, probably, in the NFL level. But uh, he, you can see he's not going to be able to play left tackle because he doesn't quite have the feet. But he does, uh, he does play really well. I, I think there, Alex Kappa um, turned a lot of heads. Uh, there's another guy, uh, I think he's from Stony Brook. Uh, his name is Timon Paris. And uh, this, is another, this is another strong player that you could look at moving inside the guard he's got lengthy uh frame and long arms you know uh and he played i think he also played left tackle but he played i watched him play against uh USF when um US South Florida who was pretty good this year by the way i mean they they went toe to toe with uh the national champs UCF and um and they uh they they came down to the wire there and when uh Stony Brook played South Florida I uh, you know, Stony Brook gave gave South Florida a run. I mean, they were they were fantastic. Um, so it, you look at some of the players that that did that, and one of them that really stood out was the offensive lineman was Timo and Paris. And uh and he's a guy with an NFL bottle a body and NFL ability ability. So um so that's another late round guy that I like that that I would look at um a lot. Other than that, uh, you know, I mentioned Brett Toth, the army kid, but then you're you're gonna have to figure out his service. Uh, issue requirements because, um, you know, I followed a couple of those guys in the last couple of years. And, you know, just when you think that they're going to be able to get an exception and come to the NFL right away, uh, it gets pulled right out from under them. And they got to do their service anyway. So that's that's a tough situation um, with him.
1: We are talking all things 2018 Miami Dolphins draft here with Chris Coffin on Locked On Dolphins podcast. He is at CK Parrot on Twitter. And we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball right after this.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Back in the Locked On Dolphins podcast, joined by Chris Coffin talking Dolphins draft. Chris, let's talk about some defensive players. And let's go ahead and just start up front with the uh, front six, as you dubbed it here on the podcast. Uh, Talk about the defensive line class and, and some of the guys the Dolphins could look at adding to the wide nine scheme. I know we talked about in the last podcast, they might not go too heavy on that side of the football or in that particular area, but who are some names you'd like in, you know, in case of emergency, if the Dolphins do go ahead and take a defensive lineman?
0: Well, I think that's something to keep in mind, even though, even though I was saying before that they might not spend, uh, you know, resources in the front six, uh, via free agency on veterans, uh, the draft with the draft, I think you forget a lot of those, of those rules because, there's so much emphasis on taking the best player and just uh, and and not necessarily getting guys that are going to be, you know, big time winners right away, but guys that are going to be big time winners in year two, year three, year four. Um, so I think right away you look at the 11th pick and Marcus Davenport of UTSA is is the guy that sticks out like a sore thumb at that pick, and he has stuck out like a sore thumb to me for you know, a number of months since going back to, uh, I think, the beginning of November, uh, I, I couldn't believe that he wasn't being talked about more often. He was, at the time, you know, people do their little uh, fantasies, you know, fan-speak drafts and stuff like that. You were able to get this guy all the time in the fifth round. It was uh, it was spectacular. Um, but now you look at him, and you might not see him even make it to the, the 11th pick in the draft. He's just... He's just that strong of a prospect. He's six foot six. He's got a great, great body. The way he uses his hands, the way he uses his hands in a very coordinated way. Um, even though I, I understand the criticism that he's not polished coming out of UTSA, but his hand coordination, uh, the fact that he can use the right hand and the left hand and the way that he does or use them, uh, with, you know, in coordination with one another reminds me of Jason Taylor. Um, He's he's going to be a guy that draws more of a Carlos Dunlap, I guess, uh, comparison because of the size and the stature, um, and you know he does move he does move and play uh, well enough to be compared with any of those guys. But this is the guy right away at, at number eleven overall. He's probably uh, I don't know if he's my top pick for the Dolphins at eleven overall, but um, you know he's he's in the top two or three. Certainly, uh, this, is, this is a guy that you're going to look at. And another guy that later on, um, Komoko Ture of, of Rutgers, just went ahead and had a stupendous senior bowl week. And he's always been a guy. You like guys that kind of got on the radar really young in college. harden um, Key being another example of that. But uh, guys that get on, the, get on the radar really young in college because of their playmaking ability and their frame, I mean, they, there's just, especially at defensive end, this is such a physical position. This is where you need to forget all your stuff about, you know, oh, I don't like the prototypes and and I, I just want great football players and stuff like defensive end is a position where you look at guys and it's like, no, the fittest and the best and the most godly looking dudes tend to do the best. I mean, they really do. So, um, so looking at Kamoko Ture and the way that he bends and the way that he's built, uh, looking at Marcus Davenport, the way that he's built, the way that he bends, the violence in his hands—you know, those those are guys that you could look at that are going to be that are going to be pretty good at the next level, and I think the Dolphins are going to look at them uh, on the defensive line.
1: It really goes into the point of uh, projection over production. And I've been seeing a lot of that on Twitter, and it comes up with Josh Allen and all these different prospects that people are saying, well, he didn't produce in college. But like you said, it's all about seeing what the guy can do at the next level and late in his career. These guys these guys are 20, 21 years old. I mean, the best ball is likely still ahead of them, at least you'd hope it is, if you're taking them under the high draft pick. So I totally agree with you on that one. Chris, I want to hear your opinion about the back five, I guess we'll say it now, and just kind of the linebackers and defensive backs and and kind of how the dolphins can reshape this defense to fix that third long. Long problem they had, and also kind of you know, if you talk bad about Roquan Smith on Twitter, you're going to get flamed by Dolphins fans. So, what, what, why is why is he such a you know? I know your opinion of him is a little bit less than most. So, talk about Roquan Smith, the linebackers, the defensive backs, kind of how the Dolphins can reshape this defense and get it better.
0: Well, it's not. It's, it, it's funny that you say that my opinion of him is is less than most, and my opinion of him is actually quite high. I think he's one on. On probably uh, a short list for uh, for the 11th overall pick, but um, but I just I just don't necessarily, you know, he's he's not uh, uh, he's not Ray Lewis or somebody. You know, <laughs> um, I, I think that he compares actually pretty favorably to a guy that I that I evaluated a couple of years ago, um, Deion Jones out of uh, out of LSU. And I thought I thought Dion Jones was a stupendous prospect. Um, he didn't end up going in the first round. He, I forget where he went. Maybe the third round. Um, but you know, I compare Roquan Smith to a third round player, and it's like, holy crap, what did I just do? Because now I got guys coming after me. Um, so <laughs> I, I think that uh, I think that Roquan Smith is a fantastic player. You mentioned you know fixing the back five, and uh, fixing the back five. Interestingly enough. Could begin with actually somebody that's technically in the front six, which is, uh, you know, somebody like Ropon, uh and what he can do from a speed standpoint, and keeping a cap on um, on really the 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 first and second levels of the defense because of the speed that he has. Um, so I think you know he's sort of a he, he's not just he's not just a player that would fix that front six. He's a player that would, you know, kind of be in between on that, that, um, you know, the, the first, the second level of the defense and, uh, and even do some, be able to figure into the third levels in some way. Um, I think that, uh, at linebacker, you know, uh, aside from him, there's, there's also Shaq Griffin who you could look at as sort of a dime, dime player. I mean, really he should be looking at as a, as a starter, but, um, but some people are going to want to look at him as sort of a rotational guy because they're they're uncomfortable with the frame and, and the fact that he's got one hand. Um, but in the back end, uh, in the back end, when we're talking about safety, we're talking about uh, that corner and uh, the inside. I think the Dolphins just need to prioritize and, and you know reshuffle their priorities back to the middle, to the middle of the field. They they did too much on the uh, the perimeter corners, the big lengthy corners. That they had. If you think about that, the fact that they entered into last year with Byron Maxwell and Tony Lippett, in addition to the guys that we ended the year with Cordrea Tankersley and uh, and Xavier Howard, um, you know it's great that we were locked down on that outside. That's that's awesome. But it wasn't enough because on the inside, you know we were left with Nate Allen on the interior and uh, and you know Michael Thomas on the interior. And uh, T.J. McDonald, who they like, but you know that and he he missed half the year on suspension, and and then was uh, you know took him a while to get up to speed as well, um, you know. And then of course Bobby McCain uh, as the slot guy, and Alteron Verner uh, as the other slot guy. Uh, it just wasn't enough on the interior. And, and looking at what Miami needs to do in the draft, the first guy that comes to my mind, are the first two guys, because they kind of belong right up with one another are Minka Fitzpatrick and, uh, and Derwin James. And I think that the dolphins really need to think about how they use the dime package and the, or the, at least the fact that they don't use it at all. Um, and they need to insert that into their defense and actually grow up and be a real NFL defense because, uh, you know, real NFL defense, is, you, you got to step back and take a look around and the rest of the NFL is using dime defense, are you know which includes corners and safeties and those those rover types uh you know they're using about 20 25 of the time nowadays and miami to not use it at all is just uh it just seems derelict um so they and if and if they say they say it's a personnel issue matt burke has pointed to the personnel and and i they could even say you know hey this is why we got nate allen and and T.J. McDonald to go with Rashad Jones, that we had this in mind, but then, you know, T.J. McDonald comes back and then Nate Allen gets injured right away, and that just blew up those plans. Well, yeah, I guess. I think they still had the personnel to use it. Um, but if, if that is the answer, if that's the real answer, then they need to make sure they're straightened out on the personnel side because they can't go another season, you know, being being prehistoric again um, on defense. And that's what they were. So uh, I think that they do need to prioritize. People will say, you know, hey, we got T.J. McDonald and Rashad Jones. Why should we get a safety at number 11 overall like Derwin James? Uh, and I say, I'll point to it and say because everybody's using three safeties. Uh, look at the NFL. There are snaps to go around. Um, that's that's the way the league is, is going, and that's the way that the Dolphins should be leading. And, that's, and if they're not,
1: then that's a the problem. <laughs> no, that's an idea that I took from you too. You know, from the message boards as well as Twitter. I kind of, I kind of made my own point about it and talking about how the Dolphins could address. You know, I, I had Ian Ward on the podcast about a month ago. He talked about possibly, you know, one of those. One of those kind of aging slash in-between type of veteran cornerbacks like a Richard Sherman or a Vontae Davis, a guy that needs a prove-it type of deal to come in and compete with the rest of the guys we have here and also using the 11th the eleventh overall pick on Derwin James or Mika Fitzpatrick. And I keep getting told we have we already have corners. We have Lippett coming back next year. And I was like, well, yeah, but look at the end of this year. We had Alter on Werner playing out there. Is that something you feel good about? I mean, like you said, DBs, they're going to get banged up. They're going to have to get rotated through. I mean, even at the college game nowadays, there's there's teams that will they'll use their 10 receivers they have on scholarship and just run them on go routes the entire game wire down the first-string cornerbacks, and then just pick on the backup guys, too. So totally in agreement with you there. Chris, let's take one more quick break here on Lockdown Dolphins Podcast. Chris Coffin, my guest. Travis Winkfield with you here. Winkfield NFL and CK Para on Twitter, respectively, on Lockdown Dolphins Podcast. And back on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, Travis Wingfield joined by Chris Kaufman. Chris, we're talking draft on this episode here. You've given us tons of good names, both at the top of the draft as well as the sleepers and even some UDFA's, as you are one to do. But let's go ahead and narrow it down to that 11th pick, and let's let's go ahead and remove like I think Bradley Chubb and Minka Fitzpatrick. Would you agree they're going to be gone with Miami picks?
0: Well, I I will say this: um, you never know, yeah. with, especially with a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick. I, did, did, would we have said the same thing? How many times would we have jumped on a podcast with one another uh, you know, a couple of years back and said the exact same thing about Laramie Tunsil, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, take Laramie Tunsil off the board. Take, uh, you know, these, these five guys off the board. You know, what would we? But I, I will say that Minka Fitzpatrick is the most likely of the two to actually be available. I really doubt Bradley Chubb will be
1: yeah he's a he's a total monster just dominated all season long that entire nc state defensive line was so much fun to watch in the acc this year but let's go ahead and do that open it up for everybody why not i mean we're picking 11th who if you know who do you think is at the top of that list for the dolphins for you as well as for the team and who would you ultimately pick at 11
0: i mean, just just reading the tea leaves and and what they like I and mean, they they really like big school guys they really like sec guys um so I, I do think Roquan Smith is on there. I think that there could be there could be a narrative forming or an explanation forming with with people that this is this is giving us the speed that we want. This is our this is our tight end answer. This is um, this is a guy that we can rotate with Kiko Alonso and Raquan McMillan, uh, who's coming off the big knee injury. So you, you know who knows there, but I think Roquan is on the short list for them. I think Tremaine Edmonds, if he is the Anthony Barr kind of prospect that some people, the one thing about Tremaine Edmonds that you don't know is, is really exactly how fast he is, how athletic he is. He he shows some speed. He flashes speed on film, but it's sort of a, um, it's sort of a gallop speed. Um, you know, he's got to get, have some runway to get up to speed. Uh, and you're not sure exactly how fast because he's so young. Um, And I think that uh, I think that it'll be interesting to see how he performs. But these guys look for, uh, you know, the guys that knock it out of the park all the way around. And if you think about those, those are big guys that, that check all the boxes, that test well, that run well, that are, you know, just super gifted athletes. And Tremaine Edmonds is is a gifted athlete, and so is Derwin James, and that Derwin James is on that short list, absolutely, from Florida State. Um, I think he could be at the top of it, to be honest. Uh, and, and if I were you know picking, then it would be a, a tough pick. Do I think the quarterbacks are actually on their short list? Um, I think probably not. Uh, I think that they're they're gonna. They're going to monkey around with the uh, the actual player rankings a little bit to make sure that the quarterbacks aren't going to be one of their best players available, or the ones that are going to be a, uh, that could be a best player available when they pick at um, at 11 overall just have zero you know chance of falling to them when they get to that pick. So I don't think it's going to, we're going to be faced with a quarterback. I think the short list is going to be on the defensive side of the ball: Marcus Davenport, Derwin James, Roquan Smith. Um, you know, and and, uh, and possibly make a Fitzpatrick if he does get there. I mean, we we talked about you know taking him off the board, but uh, but he's a guy. And then Tremaine Edmonds, like a, like I was saying before, I, I don't think it's going to be a guard. I don't think it's going to be Quentin Nelson. I don't think it's going to be um, it's going to be some a wide receiver, even if they do lose Jarvis Landry. Um, I think they're they've kind of reached a point at the wide receiver position, and you go back to the from a philosophical standpoint uh they had they had this moment when they traded Jay Ajayi, and this had to do with the running back position but i think it bled over to other positions as well They had this realization that we're not going we're not just we're not relying on just these these individual players to do everything anymore we're gonna have these guys be the role players and be good at what they're good at and rotate them and find different ways we're going you know notice that they they you know, recommitted to finding ways to get the ball into Jakeem Grant's hand. Uh, and, and now they regret not having done more of that all year. Um, and they found ways to get the ball into AJ Derby's hands, which, you know, again, kind of confusing, but (laughs) that's what they, that's what they, that's what they were doing. So I think that all the way around, that's why you're not going to see a guy at a wide receiver at number 11 overall, because, uh, they're gonna they're gonna start looking at all receivers and say well, what are you good at? Well, this is what we're gonna use you for. They're not gonna look at a receiver anymore and say, wow, you're number eleven overall. You're you know you're gonna um, you're gonna raise the the bar on the entire offense. Um, interestingly enough, they could look at a tight end that way, but I don't. I, I will they? I don't know. Will they look at Mark Andrews that way? I don't think he'll make the short list. Um, I think you're gonna be looking at Derwin James, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, Maker Fitzpatrick, and then uh, Marcus Davenport, most likely.
1: And I do like that approach, talking about you know just having guys fill their their specific roles on the offense because you go back to the 2016 Falcons and that was their best version of that offense when they distributed the ball evenly of course you know with Julio Jones being a superstar then you had Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, the two running backs there and Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman but I think that's something that the offense could try to model themselves after and be one of those evenly distributed offenses so big fan of hearing that and then Chris right before I get out of here f- with you today I got one more question for you putting you on the spot and I want you to kind of take into account everything they might do in the off season whether it's good or bad I know you kind of have some mixed feelings with this regime and everything, but what is your ultimate 2018 prediction, way too early prediction for the Dolphins for their final record and, and uh, where they end up in the playoffs, or if not?
0: Well, last year, I think before even Ryan Tannehill got hurt, I was really concerned about the direction of what they were doing, uh, particularly on defense. I thought you lose Vance Joseph, there's a chance that, uh, that Byron Maxwell, you know, whatever magic he worked with him, uh, mid-season in 2016 would just go away, and of course it did. Um, and I, I thought that you lo- losing him, I worried about the corners. I worried about the speed and, and how they were structuring the entire middle with uh, Lawrence Timmons being as old as he is and, uh, and Kiko Alonso really not being very fast. I thought it was one of the, the slowest defenses in the league. Um and it was. It was one of the slowest defenses in the league, man for man, uh, you know, pound for pound throughout the defense. This year I I, I have a feeling they're gonna they're gonna make some, some headway on some of these issues this offseason. Um and we'll see when the offseason is done. But I, I have uh I have some hopes for the Dolphins in twenty uh, eighteen, believe it or not. I think that we're in line for another ten and six season. I think that they're going to go back um, and work on some issues that became such clear problems last year. Last year, another problem that I had with them is, is what they were doing with the offensive line, and uh, this was a problem that everybody had with them, right? I mean, the, the guard position. But uh, particularly because Ryan Tannehill does so well when you get him a ground game, and when you get that going, uh, he, that's the way to unlock him and, and make him be at his best, and also, you know, pass protection. That, that would certainly be nice. Um, and last year they they weren't doing that. They were you know kind of taking away pieces and not replacing pieces, and replacing them with really you know imperfect guys like Ted Larson and um, and Isaac Asiata. Uh, I think that they've kind of learned their lesson on a couple of these issues, and that now they're going to have to swing back. And uh, in the meantime, you have young players that are going to get better. Charles Harris is going to make more of a, a difference this year, I think. Um, you're going to see some better play out of, uh, out of guys that, um, that regressed last year, like Andre branch and Kiko Alonzo, as they focus kind of from a schematic uh, standpoint on how to get these guys great again. Um, I think that, uh, <laughs> nice you're going to swing, you're going to swing back. You're going <laughs> to swing back. I think it's going to be another, uh, uh, another 10 and six season.
1: Was that an intentional make the Finns great again comment you just made there?
0: ah semi
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's too good man well hey I think I've known the cyber version of you for probably what 10-12 years now I joined Finheaven in 2005 I'm pretty sure you were there at that time right
0: Oh uh, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so you were on Fin Heaven before I was, and I, I, I swear, donuts for dollars. Every single off season, I would get all excited because I was just optimistic. You know, young of just a young eighteen year old Dolphins fan back then, always ready for them to go to the Super Bowl, and I'm always thinking eleven and five, twelve and four, and then you come in and just trump this logic card down, talking about how they're going to be seven and nine at best because of all these litany of issues they have, and you're usually right. You usually were right, so to kind of hear you come around and be kind of on that positive side and talk well about this team and just see possible improvement from the roster itself, which is how every team gets better. It's all about that growth and development inside. So really nice to hear from you, Chris. Thanks for coming on so much, man. I really appreciate you having you on.
0: Yeah, Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure as always.
1: Yeah, let's do it again soon if you can. And uh, that's Chris Coffin. He's at CKPara on Twitter. We'll talk to you soon, bud. All
0: right, thanks.
1: And off he goes with tons of great information for us there in the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Really cool to have him on. Even cooler to have him talking optimistically about this team going forward. So that's going to do it for the podcast tonight, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Mayfield NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. Follow Lockdown NFL on Twitter as well as their Facebook page. And check out lockdowndolphins.com for all your written Dolphins content needs. Be back tomorrow with another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose from Miami Dolphins football.
2: Hey prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.